Hello friends, and welcome to the Healing Ground Movement. Now for more content and bonus features, you can join us on Facebook and Instagram. And remember, all of our content is delivered freely. So please consider supporting the show by donating via the link on our website at healinggroundmovement.com or liking and reviewing the podcast on your favorite platform. Enjoy today's episode. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my all-time favorite apps, Blinkist. I found out about this app when I was pregnant and didn't have as much time to read, particularly into those early years of mothering, and it has been a game changer. Blinkist brings you knowledge from top nonfiction and podcasts so you can learn anytime, anywhere. And the best part is it condenses it down into 15 minutes. You can either listen or read to key ideas from best-selling nonfiction in just 15 minutes. So you keep getting all of these great recommendations, all the parenting books, all the health books, all of the things that you know you should be doing and know that you should know more about but you just don't have the time to read the full version, you can get the Cliff Notes version from Blinkist. They have teamed up with podcast creators to bring you key insights from podcasts as well. And there is expert curation, their hand-picked recommendation tailored to what you're interested in. So the more you listen, the more specific your recommendations get. Visit healinggroundmovement.com slash resources for a free trial of Blinkist. I know you're going to love it as much as I do enjoy today's episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Healing Ground Movement Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Carly Hudson, and we are going to have a meandering and hopefully enlightening conversation today. Um, Vicky Adelo Joyo, did I say Joyo right? Okay. You did. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't ask beforehand. Um, so Vicky, I've had a couple of really great conversations offline where we talk about our, our energy and our self-containment. And we're, we're going to get into some philosophies of, of movement and chi. Um, and we've talked about some of these in other conversations um, in other recordings, but um, what Vicky is going to bring to this conversation is a lot of how we maintain our external energy and, while still looking and going inward. So we're, we're going to go to some interesting places that I don't think either Vicky and I really know yet. But so you can get to know the, this lovely woman, the woman that is joining us today. She is the author founder of The Way of Joy, a spiritual fitness program. Vicky Della Joya's brand of brilliance is motivating people to rec- reclaim their birthright of joy. She combines preferred methods from her 45 more years of energy and key or chi practice and her experience as theater director performer. Vicki guides people to infuse body, mind, spirit practices into their very selves so the transformation stays with them for a lifetime. And doesn't that sound like something we all need? So Vicki, thank you for joining us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Well, let's get to know you a little bit as we kind of wander our way into these this conversation about energy. Um, 45 plus years of experience and so many different things. Can you give us the, the cliff notes? <laughs> uh, yes. Um, I So what basically what that means is I've been doing martial arts for, well, it's actually now close to 50 years. <laughs> um, actually, I was not that long ago inducted into the um, Women Instructors Martial Arts uh, Hall of Fame for my longevity in this. Beautiful. Uh, so um, I started when I was I was pretty young, um, and it's been some. It's been an incredible journey for me because I feel like you know at this point a, a lot of what I've I've done a lot of different martial arts over time, and I can talk a little bit about why or how I got into that. But um, I think that the bottom line is at this point for me everything I, I sort of feel like everything is part of these practices that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, evolved and developed and synthesized over many, many years of training with different types of teachers and stuff. Uh, So that I do both this energy work, which is sort of like the internal piece of how do we stay resilient? And then the external part is I coach people on how to tell their stories. So I work a lot with storytelling, which is that external part, because I've done a lot of theater and directing and performing. Mm -hmm. So that's uh, just like a kind of a broad stroke background. 
I love it. And I, I love this conversation that we're going to get into about internal resilience and then that external movement. Um, I think it's something that we talk about or around a lot culturally when we talk about things like like boundaries and self-care. I think what we're really trying to figure out a way to bring to the surface for ourselves and those with whom we are in community is how am I taking care of myself? And how am I showing up in a community that feels safe? And we do that through our stories and through our expression. Exactly, exactly. Well put. <laughs> well, and so as we're talking about all these pieces, and I'm, I think I'm going to start here because I'm very intrigued that recently um, I've had a lot of inquiries from podcast guests, as well as guests that, you know, our listeners will be able to hear over the coming weeks where storytelling is such an important part, not about, not just about self-expression, but about our own health and sense of belonging. So let's dive in there um, as a place to start. Yeah. I I listened to one of your podcasts recently about um, storytelling, which I sort of I think of it as the the healing power of storytelling, storytelling as a way of of self-discovery and also release of the ways in which we might hold trauma or tension or stress. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I blanked on her name, if you'd help me. Um, Uh, Madeline Black. Madeline, yes. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful interview. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a concept in in Qigong, uh, which is a a Chinese martial art for healing, um, that... And it's also in Chinese medicine of Mm -hmm. Wei Qi, which basically means externalized energy. Um, And this is, I love that you've already pulled together this concept of boundaries and storytelling, because there's ways in which when I've been sort of diving into it, part of the central theme or one of the central concepts in my book and my system is called boundaries dissolve barriers. And the idea of Wei Qi has to do with your externalized energy. So um, the energy that I think of as being able to say, I am instead of you can't. So it's that sense of where you start to externalize a certain type of energy that becomes so powerful that that which is negative or re-stimulates, you know, can be re-stimulating trauma or stress can kind of bounce off the surface. And I actually have a story about how I discovered Wei Chi. Um, Is this a good thing to tell? Okay, I'm just basking in right now. And then I, oh, please tell your story. The I am versus you can't. And I feel like we're going to come back to this a lot where boundary, um, and I think a lot culturally now, boundaries are this very aggressive feeling threshold of thou shalt not pass. And that goes right into the you can't versus coming back to the I am, and this is where I feel safe. So thank you, and please continue. (laughs) Yes, because when we don't have boundaries, basically what happens is that we um, either merge and mm-hmm. so it's like, oh, what do you want to do? <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. I don't want, don't want to take a position. Yeah. Or we put up barriers. I need my space. I need to take care of myself. I'm the most, I need to be sure that and those self-care pieces are very important, but they come from this sort of prickly barrier place. And so mm-hmm. I think that when we have boundaries, which means that we know what we think, we feel, we believe, don't believe, what we choose, don't choose, all of, uh, you know, things that we, we actually do, um, then, the, then there's a, there's a safety built into that. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I first discovered the concept of Wei Qi, um, I had been doing at that point um, had been doing uh, uh, a fighting art called Kajukembo for many years. I was training for I think I can't remember if I was training for my brown belt. Whatever. I, anyway, I'd been doing it for a long time, uh, and I, I was I started doing self-defense types of, and fighting types of forms because I had been attacked on the street um, more than once. So I, I really wanted to be able to protect myself. Yeah. Uh, so for some reason, um, our teacher had this idea that it would be a good idea. Uh, oh, that, this is another important part, <laughs> is that I was also training with my partner at the time. Hmm. So I had been queer bashed. The reason I had been attacked on the street was for being lesbian. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my partner and I were fighting at the time. We we're basically breaking up. We were both training at the same school. And our teacher, for some reason, thought it would be a great idea to pit us against each other <laughs> to fight. 
right? So we were yeah. kicking and punching each other at the Kuhn, which is a dojo. And mm-hmm. then at home, we were screaming. <laughs> this was not the prettiest time in my life. That, that sounds like uh, a lot of conflict. That's <laughs> a lot of conflict. And I remember walking home from BART, which is our subway here in, yeah. um, in, in the Bay Area. So walking home from BART one day, uh, I was as I was walking, I saw this man come around the corner and, and you know how sometimes like if you're at a party, you'll see somebody, you'll come, they'll come in and you'll just be really drawn to them. Mm-hmm. And other times you'll be, no, I don't think so. I think I'm going to give that person a little bit of a distance. Mm-hmm. So this, that's coming from this idea of Wei Chi. It's that energy that's getting projected. So as this person walked around the corner, I looked at him and I could just feel that there was this, this was funky, right? This was going to be a problem. But I didn't go into some kind of fighting stance. (laughs) Rather, um, what I did just instinctively was I just straightened up my spine and I opened up the space between my shoulders and across my collarbones. And I just, I I call it standing tall. I just, it was just this sense of lengthening and broadening. Mm -hmm. He reached out as, as he came to pass me, he reached out to grab me and his hand bounced, literally bounced about, six inches or a foot from contact with my body. And he walked away looking at his hand <laughs> and then looking at me and then looking at his hand. So I knew he hadn't missed that. He yeah. felt something. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what that was, but when I got home, I had a phone call from a colleague of mine who was teaching Qigong at the time. And she was saying, you know, I was looking at your bubble. She was, she was analyzing some charts that she had for me. And she said, I think you need to really focus on the internal arts. So I started studying with her. And that's when I re- found out this concept of Wei Qi, that mm-hmm. this is a real thing. I have many stories now about Wei Qi and how it functions and how it's surprised me again and again. Because, you know, I'm from New York City, so I'm from a background that's very nitty gritty. What you see is what you get, you know, roll up your sleeves. I was so afraid when I moved to California, I'd become one of those woo-woo people who, you know, never (laughs) touched the ground. Um, And, you know, of course, that's how I've made my living for the last 45 years of working with energy concepts. But um, so I did become my worst fear. But I I think that um, this idea of Wei Chi then Mm -hmm. started to think about how does that work interpersonally in terms Mm -hmm. of how we hold boundaries. And that's where I came up with this I am as opposed to you can't because Mm -hmm. I wasn't ready to I wasn't defending myself. I wasn't trying Mm -hmm. to defend myself. I was simply expanding this this field, this chief. Well, I think we see a lot of that um, kind of show up in cultural tropes. Um, And I just, I have to be distracted for a second because it's so funny. I lived in, I'm from Colorado proper, but I I lived in Boston for a handful of years and got the nitty gritty. And then I moved to Portland, Oregon and I got the head in the clouds and just feel like, you know, coming back to the middle. But I definitely (laughs) see you in that, like, there's a different personality on the coast. Um, But um, so I see you in that. Um, but we have these cultural tropes, right? Where especially, you know, there's a lot of conversation about women because we we center this conversation around kind of that victimization, which of course we would prefer not to, but this is the language we are working with, where it is, you know, we have women that have like F off tattooed across their forehead, kind of as they walk through the world and they find that people don't really come into their space or, you know, the women who are, you know, labeled as that victim, easy target. And where is that energy in that space going to be? Now, again, I don't like that that language centers around that responsibility within in victimizes, but it does lend a cultural lens to this idea, idea of Wei Qi. And how are we holding ourselves and knowing where my boundary is? Does my energetic boundary extend beyond myself like yours did in that moment where the hand bounces off? Or is my energetic boundary so small and so tiny it barely encompasses my physical body? And how can we learn to engage with that to do more and have more control and power over who I am and less about what what they can't do or what they shouldn't be able to do? Yes, I I, I... I, I love this idea because I think that that for me, um, it all comes down to being body based. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that everybody has Wei Chi and it just expands and contracts according to either intention or 
reaction. So people who are very barriered, like you're talking about the, you know, thing tattooed across the <laughs> forehead, um, you know, there's a reason for that, right? They're usually people who've experienced extreme hardship in some way or, 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 or um, trauma or have been, you know, misused. And so their reaction is, is that sense of pushing things away. Mm -hmm. um, the reverse of that, of course, is that over codependent part. And so that we're, we're, we're sort of shrinking. Um, I think that for, first of all, I think that if we can just think about doing what I did instinctively at that moment, which before I even knew what it was, which was to lengthen your spine and stretch out across the upper body, then you're not either pushing yourself forward where you're sort of thrusting your chest or, mm -hmm. you know, kind of like proving something or shrinking back, but you're just really present. And mm -hmm. to feel the sense of connection with your feet on the ground, at the same time, you feel the top of your head connected to the sky. In Qigong, this is considered to be the, the, the head up, up, lifting up, uh, is, is connected to what's called the heaven realm, or sometimes called Shen, which has to do with your inspiration, with your, your sense of connection to guidance, your connection to being part of a bigger whole, the, the mm -hmm. we are all one type of consciousness. And then the feet and the earth has to do a lot with our our sense of our grounding, but it also has to do with compost, where we compost energy. So where we say, where we take lessons from those hardships mm -hmm. and we bring them into something that brings us forth. And so when we're bringing, they say that when you bring heaven down to earth and earth up to heaven, that's the the role of a human that mm -hmm. we're constantly bringing these two energies and then projecting them out through the heart, which is the human realm, which is where we experience our boundaries and where we also um, feel the places of connection, because I do mm -hmm. believe that it's boundaries. We, when we have boundaries, we connect when we don't have them, that's when we merge or push away. So. Yeah. Oh, what a beautiful description of that, of that clear channel. It makes, it makes me think of the, the I Ching hexagram of heaven and earth um, connecting. Yes. Um, and then it also, it, it makes it, we're just going to pick on East coast versus West coast today. It's all in good fun. Our listeners who I know are across the country, that, um, that, you know, we have that very grounded earth, gritty, get through mentality that the East coast kind of gets the reputation for. And then we have that heady upward channel that the West coast gets a reputation for, but really we're looking for that meld in the middle. So again, I'm going to shout out to Colorado, um, <laughs> but I really love, uh, what you talked about in this idea of composting, because I think when we talk about trying to have that energy, that higher vibration, these are all words that, that we hear often getting higher, going up, going into that collective consciousness. Well, just as you mentioned, being afraid of losing your footing, we need to stay connected to the ground. Talk to me more about this, um, emotional composting that, that can come as part of that cycling. Well, you know, it's uh, turning waste into mm -hmm. fertilizer, right? Yeah. It's, it's a, and I think that probably most people listening to your podcast who are drawn to hear you kind of get this idea that when we face hardship, there's an opportunity for growth and learning. Mm -hmm. That happens in the earth realm because the earth realm is where we, um, it's it's where we, like I said, where we transform, where, where that transformative practice is. And that, that's why it's so off-putting, I think, to for somebody, you know, who's pretty grounded to see somebody just kind of floating off and going, oh, just go with the flow as though there wasn't, you know, or everything is good and everything yeah. is for you. When, when you know, you, you know that you're dealing with the reality, say, of contraction or, or, or COVID or or um, whatever the hardships are that you face financially or whatever the different things are that people mm -hmm. um, need to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. So being able to ground that sense of being able to have that sense of that flow or that acceptance or that embracing of wholeness, but then to ground it in a way where you're saying, well, so then why is it so hard for me to X, Y, Z, mm -hmm. and then start to think of instead of the why, how can I shift that? What is it that I need to do to pivot that? Mm -hmm. So that, that's the sort of psychological one. You know, of course, I tend to go again to the body-based practices, um, whether it's, you know, yoga or Qigong or anything really Reiki chiropractics, which I mm -hmm. you know your your that's your expertise, is is to have that sense of really letting your body start to open up some space so that she or energy can flow mm -hmm. through it and you can go back into that presence that of uh nature, inner energy that then 
allows you to expand out into the weighty outer energy. Well, and it, do you bring up an image to me of rather than like sitting in the shit, that this is just the waste and the crap that is all around you that we have to deal with. There are harsh realities of life. There have been a lot of harsh realities of life over the last few years. And do we sit in that or do we find that expansive energy that in a sense tills the soil that turns that into fertilizer and turns that into nutrient that we can draw from? Or do right. you sit in the filthy smell? And <laughs> <laughs> right. It's when you think about um, compost happens no matter what, uh, but it's a good idea to, to kind of speed up the process, right? So if you have something like cl- closed in a plastic bag and it just sort of melts down and rots, that, you know, that can be pretty awful, <laughs> right? Yeah. You don't want to be in that plastic bag. But if you aerate the soil, if you, you know, which you bring in the sun, you bring in the moisture. So the sun has to do with your vision, your ability to sort of go into um, neutral compassion, be able mm-hmm. to see. The moisture has to do with the feelings that you work with around it. Um, and then there's, of course, you want to, in compost piles, for anybody who gardens, you want to combine uh, wet and dry or or fresh and dry, right? Mm-hmm. So have that, a perfect mixture. So the dry is the is the things that are no longer serve you, right? They're the they're the old patterns that we're letting go of. And the and the moisture one is the what's the new piece that's the part that you're wanting to to um work through. So when you're combining these things of the consciousness, the feelings, the past, the present, then you start to create a, a kind of soil for growth that allows mm-hmm. you to basically be uh, unsinkable. <laughs> yeah. And that sure is a more pleasant image than the festering plastic bag. <laughs> Conjured up a good one there. <laughs> yeah. And, and we talk here about movement. I mean, I know that this conversation is, is treading on poetic, which let's be honest, is my favorite, but we are talking about movement and we are talking about expression and expanding ourselves outside of the container of that plastic plastic bag filled with filth and into this possibility um, of those boundaries changing and changing um, the, I love the words that you shared um, not too long ago, the I am, I think, I feel, I believe, I choose creates that clarity of movement around yourself. Yes, exactly. Yeah. 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 And then, and then, you know, movement, of course, movement, meaning body movement, being able to, you know, whether it's hiking, you know, do forest bathing, walk Mm -hmm. in nature, or whether it's um, being able to uh, do whatever practices that you might do, whether it's running or, Mm -hmm. or Qigong or, you know, of course, Qigong is my background, but um, that that when we are able to do that, then we're actually opening up pathways mm-hmm. that are otherwise stagnant. And in Chinese medicine, stagnation is the cause of all illness, disease, mental and physical health. Um, and so when we can move through that stagnation, then we're able to actually create the changes and create the life that we want to have and live the life that we want to have. It's mm-hmm. um, it doesn't have to be super complicated. Yeah. I think most people know that if you're feeling really down and like internal and like you just feel like your knuckles are dragging on the ground and you're tired, if you can go out and take a little bit of a walk, a lot of times that's all it would take to kind of mm-hmm. refresh. It doesn't mean that all your problems go away, but you refresh your ability to meet those problems or be able to work with those problems in a way that's more productive yeah. or resourceful. I think so. And uh, it's, it's definitely, I hear my mom's voice echoing in my head for my whole childhood. Just, just go move. I don't just, whatever. I don't care. Go move. Go move. Oh, that's so great. I had a mom that was like that too. She had, she was, she had been a dancer as a young person. So she believed in this too. Yeah. It's like, you're going to, it's going to help. And you know, sometimes it's, it's deeper and harder. Like you said, it's a walk. Isn't going to fix everything. No. Um, but it is going to fix the lack of opportunity in which you sit, in which you sit. And it balances that left, right part of the brain, right? Mm-hmm. So you're actually literally physically doing something that allows you to um, think differently. It sort of calms down the yeah. adrenal function and, and helps to move up, uh, move things yeah. <laughs> and balance things inside of you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I think this is a, a kind of a great segue as you were talking about um, just a few moments before about how, you know, you keep things in and it festers and, and the, those tenets of, of Chinese medicine. Um, but you, you do teach about how self-expression can boost your health. You know, this isn't just a nice thing that we should do and, and boundaries are important. How does this impact our health? 
Oh, wow. Well, I think that um, when you when you're holding something in, it, it's really, again, about stagnation, I think. When you're holding something in, when you're not willing to um, speak what your truth is, or for some reason you're in a situation where you don't feel safe enough or what like that, and it all gets pulled in, that manifests into all kinds of physical things, right? It's stress. And so stress is what 90% of diseases are based on stress. So whatever, Just or whatever like 90, 95 was the most. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I read these things and I go, Oh my gosh, well, that makes so much sense. But mm-hmm. so, um, and then, so the way that, that when, when I'm working, um, so I teach, I, I sort of have two tracks in the work that I do. One of them is the Qigong people who are coming to do Qigong almost as a spiritual practice uh, mm-hmm. or uh, uh, a focus on self-growth. And then the people who do the storytelling um, have been traditionally more speakers, entrepreneur types. But then it's it, the, the speaker entrepreneur people started moving towards the Qigong and the Qigong <laughs> people started moving towards the speaking. So it began to blend. Um, and and the, the speaking though, or the telling your story, how you tell your story, there's a discovery process in that that can be very therapeutic. Uh, and what I work with is how do you tell a story in a way that you don't feel like you're either reactivating victimhood or you're having your people who are listening to you having to feel like they have to take care of you or you know rescue or something, but to be able to own your story um, in that in that realm of self lessons or opportunities mm-hmm. or not that I'm trying to make every story like the positive story, but how right. do we sort of dive into it because every story that we tell reveals the aspect of us. I sometimes think about, you know, if we thought of all consciousness as being this huge gem, each of us, I had one teacher, Kalel Quinn, who used to say um, that everybody's face was different, a different facet of that gem. You have a, your, your unique face. Mm-hmm. So that that those stories can ways to touch into a universal vein, mm-hmm. the feeling sense. Um, and at the same time, can can be your own individual expression and when you own that individual expression you're really letting yourself um be who you are it, it's 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 if, if it's all inside then it's you know you're we're meant to connect right and stories are the way we connect from the time that you know people were sitting around a little fire all the way to list, watching movies or or reading mm-hmm. novels you know that stories are the ways in which we all connect with one another so it's it's i think it's the source of connection and the that's you know what belong what what's more important than belonging or connecting mm-hmm. Nothing. It's part of our breath. It just it. I I love this. Beautiful and and it does give language and to me sometimes permission to our existence. Um, you know that we hear these themes over and over and over again. And I, I constantly say there's nothing new under the sun. That there are these themes of heartbreak and hurt that. Uh, you know, we hear from back in um, the the classics and, and the Greeks or the Victorian or, you know, in the 50s or 10 years ago. And, and we read these stories or we hear these songs and there's this person echoing across the centuries saying how I feel right now. You know, and and we see that so much in our moody teen years with with the music or your moody 30s, as it turns out for me. And and you just listen to this song that speaks to you and is telling your story and is giving power and purpose and in a sense legitimacy to what you're experiencing. And that that reduction in um shame through that is also a reduction in stress. Which that's right. It's right. our whole system. It's movement. It, it's mm-hmm. movement. When I feel connected to you through your story, something moves inside of me and it becomes a, almost a, you know, think about the infinity sign, a loop of reciprocity moving back yeah. and forth between us. Um, the, and, and that that movement, like you said, being able to hear a story and then feel yourself in that story. Maya Angelou once said, and this is a poor paraphrase, but basically that people don't remember um, might might not remember what you say, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. Mm-hmm. Very famous quote that mm-hmm. I'm misquoting probably, but I, I, that's the essence of it. Yeah. Um, at, which I think is just so brilliant, and I think because I think stories are the way we make people feel, and mm-hmm. it's also how we allow ourselves to feel. Mm-hmm. 
And I think, um, and I'd like to circle back on this a little bit as well, but you're talking about one, it's not, it's very important that as we're telling these stories and having this expression, that we are not re-victimizing ourselves through it, that we are not re-traumatizing and reliving in that very um, primal emotional level where we're sort of sitting, again, sitting in that muck, putting ourselves back in that plastic bag of crud Mm -hmm. versus, and also not asking people to take care of us, but to simply be able to have this story be what it is and be that connection of reciprocity. It feels like a fine line, that little, not too much, not too little piece. Um, Talk to us a little bit more about the power of that and maybe how, how one could know if they're striking that chord or falling one way or the other. Um, I think it helps to work with somebody mm-hmm. when you're, you know, not to just, I mean, if you're planning to tell a story in a, in a public way, if you're mm-hmm. t- telling it to friends, it's different. But um, I think part of it is not to look for all the justifications on why you were right or the victim or prove that, you know, I, I know I have that tendency in myself, right? I have mm-hmm. a, a situation, you know, I've, I've had a situation in my life where, I have a sense of somebody projecting something on me and it's not right. And I want to, you know, I want to garner support. So when when Uh check in with your motivation, check in with the details that you're telling, what are the details you're telling and why are they important? Because a lot of times when people tell their stories, they're either get, they're either just so cut and dry where it's just like fact, 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 robotic, or they're, you know, sort of like a resume or they're, Mm -hmm. Um, so involved in the weeds of the details that they get lost also. And when when that happens, um, they lose the power of the story, both for themselves and for being able to connect with other people. Mm-hmm. I think to I think the, the the balance around, you know, not having to re-traumatize yourself or traumatize your audience who might have experienced something similar um, is is really, like you said, I think it's a delicate balance. That's where I would probably say maybe talk to somebody and kind of get a little bit of feedback because it's mm-hmm. hard for us to judge. You know, we can't see uh, the, the, the picture when we're inside the frame. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, so um, it's, it's uh, I think that it's part of it is to kind of allow when you're first telling a story, like when you're first, like I have my, let me put it this way. My dad disowned me when I was a kid, when mm-hmm. I was in my teens for, uh, for living with a boyfriend uh, mm. and we didn't speak for 10 years and then we reconnected briefly and then he figured out I was a lesbian and then we he disowned me again <laughs> and so for about 25 years I didn't have any connection with my dad at all I reconciled with him 10 years before he died um, mm-hmm. because I was studying something called powerful non-defensive communication and I started to work with my own defensiveness began to which is uh, by the way uh, a wonderful system uh, developed by Sharon Strand Ellison brilliant woman um uh and I began to work with some of these ideas and and started to connect with him and part of that was telling him some of my story you know he was like you know what happened you know how did you become a lesbian <laughs> and, and you know to say you know dad do you remember my friend when I was five I I used to you know, I would just melt every time she was around. I wanted to marry her. And when I asked her to marry her, she said we couldn't because we were both girls. And I thought that was so stupid. So, and, and he's and all of a sudden he started to think about gay people he had known and the pain that they'd had. He he made a leap himself. He started talking about a friend of his when he was at Juilliard that had mm-hmm. killed himself for being gay. So so there was ways in which so when, when I was talking, I, I wasn't talking about the ways in which I had been beat up as a lesbian. I hadn't talked about the, you know, the pain of my rejection, although Mm -hmm. I did talk about that, but I talked about it in a way of saying, um, I I found where the point of connection was. Mm -hmm. There's something I'm, I'm sort of feeling my way through here. I think Carly, I don't have a pat answer for this because it's changes from person to person that I work Mm -hmm. with, but for myself, I think it was like finding what I said to my dad, you know, um, you know, when, when that happened, it, it was incredibly painful, but I realized that there's so much of you in me that, that there's so ways I'm like you and I can really understand how you have come to these decisions. There was a way we could kind of go mm-hmm. into a place that by the time he died, his last words to me were, you're an angel. I not, not, I've not liked you for most of my life. And now I realize you're an angel. And I'm like, really, I'm no angel, but there was a place where 
there was mm -hmm. just this sense of like we were in that you know mm -hmm. that, that higher place that heaven realm where we we're mm -hmm. actually seeing each other from a soul place um i actually that story is important to me i, I did a whole one woman show about it <laughs> for years uh that that i told that story mm -hmm. better than i just did but but there, i think that when we sort of kind of look at how to move out of the victim stance when we're looking mm -hmm. at our story and to feel whole first of all to, to allow yourself to take time and allow yourself to contract and to allow yourself to have the feelings of it mm -hmm. but then to know that's not all there is yeah there is gold in there I, you can find I that gold, even if it has to do with you survived. Yeah, I I agree. And I I love um you started off talking about looking at your motivation and what is your motivation in that story and, and perhaps how you cast yourself, what role you put yourself in, in in the original iterations of that story. And you you said um if you're right or wrong, if you're victim or or I would often put also hero on there because oftentimes we we cast type ourselves as the hero which um, I think is, is shocking to find is just as limiting as being the victim. Mm -hmm. These are it's superhuman, right? So yeah. You're still not having that heart place of being fully human. Exactly. Yeah, they're archetypes. They are not flushed out. They're not complicated characters where we exist in what is not right and wrong, but what is. Yes. And I think that can become the power of storytelling. And I'll, I'll paraphrase um, horribly now myself, uh, Rumi, that he, you know, the out beyond um, the doing of right, doing and wrong doing, there is a field and I will meet you there. Mm -hmm. And when we can tell our stories, when we come back to a place of right or wrong, this is what happened. And this is the experience. And outside of being a victim of that experience or the hero in the story, this is what happened. And that I think if I'm hearing what you're saying correctly, it gives an opportunity for your listener, for your audience to also step out behind that archetype, archetype of victim or hero, right or wrong, and say, I've seen this too. Mm -hmm. What does exactly. this look like when we're standing there together in that field? I'll meet you there. Yes, beautifully <laughs> put, beautifully put. I, I love that Rumi saying. And I think that it also stimulates creative problem solving, mm -hmm. right? Because when we're in the victim or hero, we're kind of it, it, it's a, such a you know narrow path mm -hmm. um that when we start to allow ourselves to have different layers then allows us to really think again outside the frame yeah yeah and i i think that that is a conflict resolution technique that i've heard a lot recently um particularly in the last what are we at now? Six years <laughs> in, in the United States, particularly where, where things have begun to become heatedly polarized. Now, we've always had a very polarizing culture, you know, just some of it got swept under the rug a little bit more neatly. Um, but it's been very, very polarizing um, with our elections and with uh, the way the pandemic has gone. Um, is there a place that where the, the conflict management talks about, can you find a place where you both meet? where we can back up from that picture, from that window to find a place where we both can agree on something. And that provides that opportunity in storytelling to walk outside the boundaries of victim or hero, outside of the boundaries of right and wrong. Right. It's like we're on standing on two different pieces of terrain. Mm -hmm. This is, this, this comes from actually Sharon Ellison, but different pieces of terrain and for me to understand a little bit about where what your ground is like, mm -hmm. if you tell me that story, if I'm curious about who you are, if I can draw out that story, I can hear your story, or you offer that story, it starts mm -hmm. to paint the picture of what that terrain is. It may be very, very different from my terrain. It's but 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 mm -hmm. that's when 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 we meet is when we start to understand a little mm -hmm. bit about the different worlds we are living in, right? And and the, the, it's like you said, it's so polarized, so alarmingly polarized now mm -hmm. um, that that it's something that actually becomes critical, not yeah. just in terms of how we tell our story, but also in terms of how we dialogue from a non-defensive place. Absolutely. I love, you're right. It, it does become absolutely critical, especially as we start talking about things like vibrant living and being in good health, that if we are in this polarized um, area of stress and this external hard line of a boundary instead of your your idea of coming back again to, to the conversation of Wei Qi, this external energy of who I am can then meet knowing you who you are. 
mm-hmm. perhaps this person that you know who you are and you get to know their terrain and where they're at. And it's still nothing you ever want to set foot on, mm-hmm. but it's still this place of, I know who I am and what I want. And I know who you are and what you want. And I know where our worlds can combine and where they cannot. And it is a peaceful observation rather than combative to me in that way. Right. Mm -hmm. I love that you just described the Venn diagram. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. Well, so let's talk about these ways of optimizing your energy and optimizing the storytelling um, as we transition into autumn. I, I love where this is. This conversation is coming into our catalog of, of the podcast. I love the transition of autumn and that ability to let things fall away. When we talk about composting, this is the compost season. Put all those leaves in the dirt. Um, let's stir things up and move forward. But uh, even more importantly, this year, there is still a lot of fear and uncertainty as we head into these darker months in the Northern Hemisphere, um, you know, with, with cold and flu season coming up strong. Mm-hmm. How can we start to use Wei Chi and our sense of self to, to feel more fulfilled and less stressed and fearful this year? Um. There's a concept. Uh, that I, I think the way I'd start this this particular piece of the topic is talking about expansion and contraction. And I think culturally, we're trained, at least in the Western cultures, mm-hmm. many of them, maybe not so much not not indigenous, but but sort of the capitalist sort of thing mm-hmm. that we that that contraction is bad. Um, and expansion is good, right? We have a business, we want to grow it and grow it and grow it. And there's no place of contraction, but that's counter to nature, right? All, everything in nature expands and contracts. Our lungs expand and contract. Um, you know, the ocean expands and contracts. The flowers open and then close. Night goes into day, goes into night, goes into day. Where there's a constant, um, this back and forth of, of expansion and contraction. Um, and so part of the resistance, I think, comes from that sense of, oh, no, I've got to be outside more and it was beautiful and blah, blah, blah. And now I have to be indoors. Mm-hmm. Um, that resistance to contraction is something that I think that contraction gets associated with becoming small. Mm. Becoming, uh, be- when I was uh, when I was I, I, I was an actor for for many years. I, actually, I'm still in a theater company, but I, I for years I was I was doing shows, and I realized I was kind of an addictive pattern where I would do a show and it would be expansive. I get these great reviews, everything is awesome, and then I uh, crash afterwards and I'd be like, "Get back in the box! Who do you think you are?" I would like I kind of push myself back mm-hmm. in. Um, and I, what I, what I, I quit doing any performing mm-hmm. for about 10 or 15 years because I really wanted to look at what is this? And what I realized is that there was a way in which I needed to look at how to contract in a way that was self-loving, kind, mm-hmm. coming back home, like to a candle in the night, instead of uh, feeling like I'm being pushed back down into being small. What if I embraced being in the small self or the inner self? Differently, so that's what I think this season is about. Mm-hmm. Um, in in Chinese medicine, uh, the autumn is associated with the lungs, and it's with, associated with the element of metal. Uh, and so, when you think about, I grew, like I said, I grew up in New York City, where everything is always under construction, right? You're always looking at bare bones of buildings, right? And it's and so I have that sense of that metal being the foundation, the essence the essence of who you are. So this is an opportunity this time of year to come back to that essence. Now I'm mm-hmm. speaking metaphorically, I'll talk for a minute in terms of the health, but I think that that when we can really embrace what does going inward give me, what can I take time to do that I might not have taken time to do outside, but I can do it inside. Maybe it has to do with journal writing. Maybe it has to do with painting or doodling. Maybe it has to do with lying on your back and staring at the ceiling for a little bit. Maybe, you know, maybe it has to do with being as mm-hmm. opposed to doing. So that, that, that there's a way in which I think the first thing is to allow that our, particularly right now, end of summer, beginning of fall, we're in an expanding, contracting time. It's especially mm-hmm. intense right now where we're expanding and contracting a bunch. That's what's happening in nature. That's happening. And we're part of nature. So it's happening inside of us. So if you're feeling resistant about, the autumn, know that you're 
completely in sync with the season. The emotion that's associated with the lungs in the autumn is grief and sadness. And when we move energy through that, at least in one system, they say you're bringing in courage. I think of that courage to face the loss of whatever it is that you're losing. And part mm -hmm. of what I've been working with with a lot of my students is what is the through line that comes from the summer that was of benefit to you that you're that you're you're uh, distilling into its essence in the fall as well as what are you releasing like you said the leaves fall the trees become bare so it was just releasing we're letting go which has to do with grief and letting go and sadness mm -hmm. and then we're also drawing in that sense of really reclaiming the essence of what it is that we want. What's the core of you? What's the metal in you? Who are you mm -hmm. at, at core? And a time to embrace that on a new level because every season sort of takes us into a new rung of the spiral. So it's a lot mm -hmm. of metaphors, I know. So I'm eating it up, I love it. I hope our listeners are too. <laughs> Um, so in terms of our health, I think, you know, taking care of your lungs is primary, right? Uh, and so what does that mean? That can be anything from, you know, I mean, we, uh, there's a million different things that we can do for me, it'd be Qigong for lungs, but, um, it could, it could be, um, just making sure that every, every set your clock, your, your phone, every 15 minutes, remind yourself to take a deep breath or, um, or uh, allow yourself to just really sit for a moment and just have that sense of expansion and contraction with a sense of embrace and ask yourself, what can contraction give you? How does pulling back in, what is the gift in that? Not just what are the things that you have to let go of, but what is the essence that can come forward in you for that? Mm -hmm. I love um talking about what is that gift of contraction? Because I think you're absolutely right that we have somehow turned this into um, the time of not good and small and forget it, spring is coming. You just, you just have to get there. And instead we do come back to that rest and we do come back to that what is important. You know, we have fewer daylight hours in which to spend our time. We have- Which gives us know, more dream time at night. Yes, yes. And, and in that dreams, we have the space to think about what we want and then that contracted window in which to execute it. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is something that we don't, really appreciate the power of when we want to see nothing but more, 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 we thrive on boundaries. We thrive on limitations because that's what we push up against to challenge what we think we want in that more, more, more. Mm -hmm. And as summer and spring comes, it is this, this endless expansion, but we would be without purpose without looking at what does that mean down to that center? What is the value that I am taking with me? Um, and there is a real gift of that coming home, of that coming back to your structure and bones um, and sense of loving and belonging. Um, I, I think it's sad that we deprive ourselves of that as a uh, cultural norm or necessity or even um, something worth looking at. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and it's, I mean, just think if you were just exhaling and you never inhaled, right. It's, it's, it's the inhalation. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're we, that drawing in is replenishing. It, it gives us energy. It gives us a sense of stamina. It, mm -hmm. it increases our resilience big time. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a time to really, uh, it's a, it, I actually have got, gotten to really love this time of year um, mm -hmm. for that reason, because it's that sense of really being able to come back. And of course, there's this sort of sharpened, what I think of as the sharpened pencil time of year, right, is school starts again, mm -hmm. or there's Rosh Hashanah, the new year, the beginning of the high holidays for mm -hmm. Jew, Jewish folks, um, that, that this is... Um, this is, there's a, there's an opening. It's, it's a portal into something mm -hmm. that we can, um, enter in with as much, uh, appreciation as, yeah. uh, the spring birthing. Right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's a birthing of a different type. It's, it's hard work. And when we think about birthing to take that analogy of coming into contraction, that mm -hmm. is, you know, I'm, I'm almost five years out of it, but I still remember that was not the fun part, No, but it was the productive part. It mm -hmm. was the part that pushed this vital core of what on earth I was doing into the world and yes. I was doing, I was getting a kid, yes. but 
But we do that same thing as you, as you bring up Rosh Hashanah. Um, you know, I, I observe and celebrate and we have this whole time leading up to it where you know, just spend the Jewish month of Elul talking about um, observing and looking back on your year. What did you do that you want to take with you? And what mm-hmm. do you do that you want to let go and seek forgiveness and, and move through as we then enter into the next year? It is the work of the fall. You know, what is worth keeping with me and what is worth letting go of and putting into that compost pile? Because the lesson of it is going to make my tomatoes really great next year, (laughs) but not if I keep it with me. It will do nothing for my tomatoes if I keep it with me. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I just did a beautiful uh, ritual for a little with um, with some mm-hmm. friends. I, uh, I I I my mom was Jewish and my dad was Italian, and I didn't really grow up with anything uh-huh. in terms of spiritual or religious uh, process. But I, so I sort of straddle a lot of different things. I, I tend to be very integrative, just as you can tell from what how I talk yeah. that I bring in a lot of different pieces. But I I I love uh, high holidays um, and. Uh, Part of it, I teach Qigong during some of that Rosh Hashanah time, and part of it, I go to services. So, you know, it's it's I was like, I'm constantly blending them. But I think that that's for me how I how I open my portal, and I, I really love that that we we can do this in in many different types of traditions. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and I don't think it's an accident that we start a school year at this time of year. I think it's you know it's a really an interesting time mm-hmm. um, because it's a it's a it's a time it is the sense of anticipation, right? There's the smell of fall, right? At least least in the East coast, you know, that sort of crisp, fresh Mm -hmm. apple, you know, that smell of of autumn and that, that sense of what the air is like the Christmas and the the sense of cool coming in with the sun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a wonderful time of year. It's actually one of my favorites. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. I'm just waxing poetic on it. And I I was walking with my friend and I saw a leaf on the ground and this was like the first day of August. And she's like, look, it's falling. Carly, just chill. You got a couple months. (laughs) Um, But but I, I think there is so much possibility in in clearing out and seeing what comes next. And, um, and that whole integrative approach is, is something that you and I share there again. I'm from a mixed family. My dad's side's Jewish. My mom's side's not. And, Um, and it just very much opens up, um, how can we blend all of these things? And I think it, it, to go back to our conversation on storytelling, you have the opportunity to see that all of these different faiths, all these different ways of being try to tell very similar stories. And what type of storytelling is going to resonate with you? What is what is the soil you're standing on? What is a familiar soil, soil but not yours that maybe, you know, I, I, I went with Judaism, so you know, the, the, the Christian soil standing on. But there's a lot, there's a lot of similarity here. And there's a real gift in seeing, you know, while we've sort of picked on a few of these practices to make examples of in this conversation, um, by far and large, that this is not an exhaustive list or anywhere close to an inclusive inclusive list mm-hmm. as we look at the fall in this transitional way. Yes. And it is a real opportunity if we can choose to value that for ourselves as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We get to meet ourselves again in a different yeah. way. Yeah. So do you have any other, we talked a little bit about breathing and we got sidelined on our storytelling again, but other ways that you suggest optimizing that energy in this transition to, to reacquaint ourselves with the power of this movement. Hmm. Um, you mean other than, other than focusing on breath, because there's a, there's a mm-hmm. practice called six direction breathing that um, I think is, it sort of goes into this idea again of, of Wei Qi and making space for energy to move in mm-hmm. you, right? So um, I have a concept of what, I don't want to get into the whole way of joy system, but there's this idea is what I think of as a law that she moves in the space between just like energy moves, um, mm-hmm. like water moves around sticks or stones in a creek. Um, it finds its way to flow that, mm-hmm. that in the same way chi moves in that way, right? It doesn't necessarily, you don't necessarily need to focus on the block. You need to focus on where the opening is and go there. And this is mm. a good time of year to do that. Um, uh, I think that that um, there, I, there was a, an experiment that somebody did here in San Francisco. I can't remember his name. It, 
um, but he was working with um, cancer cells on petri dishes, and he had, he had qigong people come in, some a control group that didn't really know qigong, and they just waved their arms around, and nothing happened to the cancer cells. He had another group focusing on killing the cancer cells, and he had something like twenty to thirty percent success rate. And then he worked with people who are Qigong masters just doing Qigong in the field, but they weren't directing anything towards those cancer cells. And those were the ones where the cancer died off because it was a kind of environment, just like you don't want to eat a lot of sugar when yeah. particularly with cancer, you don't, you want to do that, that kind of thing that, that um, the, the concept that we create a, an energetic field that where we can thrive. So mm-hmm. bringing that back then to the fall and the lungs, um, the 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 six direction breathing basically is a is a qigong breathing that people we could just do right now where you breathe in and you just feel your ribs expand and then breathe out and just let them relax and then you breathe in and you expand up and down and then relax and then you breathe in and you expand your belly and solar plexus and back forward and back and then release and then you breathe in all six directions at once and it's like a balloon expanding and then deflating slightly and expanding. And when we can just do something, and that's what I, I mean, a lot of times I'll do that where I'm waiting on the line at the grocery store or I'm pumping gas. Mm-hmm. Say, oh, well, may as well just do a little six direction breathing here. Because the six direction, when, when we're opening up that internal space, that's going to allow external space to open around us too and we need that external space when we're in a time of contraction right Mm -hmm. when we're coming back in we need to be able to take that time and space whether it's going to bed a little earlier or whether it's um making a particularly good taking the time to make a really nourishing soup for the fall or whether it's um having a very tender conversation with somebody that you really care about making the time and space for yourself to have that sense of opening up chi flow. And again, body-based always for me is just, I'm very kinesthetic is that, you know, when we can open up that six direction breathing, we're opening up space in all types of areas of our life, not just Mm -hmm. in our lungs and bodies. That's beautiful. Well, and I think there's so much um, that is emerging. I know so many people need need that scientific data and those studies to show that what we've sort of always known and these traditions have held for so long is that we are energetic beings mm-hmm. and that it, down to um, protons and electrons and neutrons, they are energetic. Um, and so that carries with us. And so does nature and so does the rest of the earth. And so as our energy um, shifts, it engages with our, our own cellular matrix differently. And then that in which we are connected, it's like little batteries bouncing off of each other. Um, and, and I'll just say that 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 that, that when when you have that um, electromagnetic field, mm-hmm. that that there is the chi moves in the space between. There mm-hmm. needs to be space, right? Yeah, that's what the boundaries are. They create space, but not by pushing something away. They just allow you to expand into your own field. And what a beautiful point to make, especially as we, you know, we started talking about at the very beginning of our conversation, this idea, this persona of where there is this push away boundary where no one is allowed in or that collapsed internal boundary where it doesn't even encompass our our full physical being that um, if we need that energy to have a place to flow, well, then we also need it to flow sort of like a river where it's not at that you know, hard edge of the, you know, leave me alone boundary, but also it needs to have space to flow within ourselves. And when we think about this time of year about going inward, well, if you are already compressed and tight and constricted inward, there's less inward to go. It it starts to become a very dark and restricted place where almost um, it's a little contradictory this idea that you want to expand out so you have a place to feel safe within yes yes well and you know of course what you're describing when somebody is that pulled in or shut down or Mm -hmm. scared really a lot of times fear is sort of at the base of that Mm -hmm. um that that it's it's really imperative because you know i think we all hit those moments right mm-hmm. where we don't really feel like we're coping our best or something where we're, we are pulled in but when we can breathe so that it's not the the, the direction is still inward but you're mm-hmm. actually creating internal space 
that is that is all that's really needed is to give mm-hmm. them that self inner space, not inner space to wallow or to go down the rabbit hole or whatever is mm-hmm. hurting you, but to give yourself space for that healing energy to come in because otherwise mm-hmm. we're just blocked. It's shriveled, right? It's like a prune. You can't. And, and when the, when we're in that prune pulled in place, it does. It then there's no possibility of um interaction reciprocity energy coming in flowing out just like our our red blood cells basically right when they're in there when the uh, mitochondria are spinning and they're expanded out then they can exchange energy back and forth between other cells but when they're shriveled in and they're agglutinated uh i think that's what it's called when they're uh, um then they, they get stuck together and there's no flow yeah. So if we can think in terms of ourselves as being a cell on this planet and this planet being a cell on the Milky Way, which is a cell in the universe, we can think of ourselves as being a cell, then we want to be able to have that sense of, you know, plumping out like a peach instead of a prune. Yeah. Well, um, a piece that I don't think we've, we've called by name, but certainly fits into this energetic conversation we've been having is to be able to be dynamic. And to be neither stuck in expansion nor stuck in a contraction, but to flow in and without and engage within the community around us. So that as people come, their energetic fields come towards our energetic fields, um, we can have an exchange. And maybe there's something good that we are picking up and we take it with us. Maybe there's something that we pick up that is less desirable. We go, actually, don't need that. And we can expand it right back out. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is dynamic and resilient rather than boundaries keep things out they keep everything out they they don't you don't get the good stuff either well i i i make a distinction between mm-hmm. boundaries and barriers so oh yeah let's, so i think what you're talking about from in my language mm-hmm. is barriers right where we're, we're putting out that keep out sign it's like mm-hmm. and and uh, you think about i think about you know boundaries they're sort of soft and they're pliant although and then when you're thinking about barriers it's like sticking out like a porcupine quills sticking out keep you mm-hmm. know keep out stay away a kind of energetic keep out sign um yeah yeah and yeah. thank you for making that distinction because i think the way at least to me and in, in the way that i see it um in exchanges is that boundaries as we use it colloquially now tend to have porcupine quills all over them. Yeah, they are. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that, I think the intention of where the discussion of boundaries came from is really purposeful and and very necessary. Self-care, it's about Mm self-care. But but we, we kind of perverted the intention along the way. And now we've created a similar issue, but we've just externalized it. versus having that barrier versus boundary conversation, as you so beautifully put. Yeah, that's perfect. Absolutely. And I think a lot of it comes from defensiveness. I have the right to, I need to, I, you know, um, Mm -hmm. where, where we're defending, we're defending something which comes from a victim stance. So, you know, it kind of all boils down to how do we let go of that victim stance so that Mm -hmm. we can become more manifestors or flowers or letting energy come through us. Yeah. yeah, and then let that story come back to not hit victim versus hero, but what is? Yes, and embracing, embracing the wholeness. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Beautiful. Oh, Vicky, I could talk to you all day. This has been lovely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. So as, as people are enjoying this conversation and they want to learn more about your work with Wei Chi and boundaries versus barriers and all, all the beautiful um, energetic and storytelling that you bring together, uh, where can they learn more about you? Uh, they can go to uh, my website, vickydelajoyo.com. Mm-hmm. But I know that's a lot if you, people are just listening to this. <laughs> if you want to have a conversation with me, go to yourpowerpresence.com and just set up a 15-minute conversation and we can just chat and I can just be happy to answer any questions or um, uh, support you in any way that, that I can. Um, the other way people can connect is I have a, a Facebook group that I call Energy Matters. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a uh, Facebook, uh, just search the groups for your energy matters. No, I'm sorry. Energy matters most energy matters, <laughs> most <laughs> energy matters, most, uh, and th- we have a, a nice robust group there that we're really, really in conversation a lot about both what energy matters are and why energy matters. So, um, <laughs> love uh, <me> <laughs> yeah, that would be great. I'd love that. Yeah. Well, 
Well, we'll have all of that linked in our show notes as well. Um, I I have so enjoyed this conversation. I highly recommend that anyone who is of a mind to, to hop on your calendar and, and enjoy as well. Uh, Vicki, thank you so much for your, your poetry, your wisdom, your experience. Um, I hope that this is a transformative and expanding conversation for everybody as we head into the fall and winter months. Maybe we can try things a little bit differently this year. It's been a joy to to meet you and to connect with you this way. You feel like a a sister in a way. Just I feel like we're speaking the same language, which you do so ably with all of your podcast guests. But thank you so much for inviting me and for this opportunity to have this conversation. Thank you. And thank you for that warm blush that I get to be. <laughs> uh, thank you. Yeah. Right, well, and thank you all of our listeners too. Thank you for joining us, tuning in. I uh, hope you got a little something, changed your perspective a little bit with this conversation. Uh, we'll catch you next week for another episode of Healing Ground Movement Podcast. In the meantime, be well. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard and got a little something out of it. Now remember, the information expressed in these interviews is for informational and not diagnostic or treatment purposes. However, I hope you find that having the right information and resources can go a long way to helping you on your healthcare journey. Ask the right questions and seek out professional help.